Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. How has your week been? Thank you if you joined us last week we had double podcast week and this probably isn't going to be a regular occurrence but Thursday was time to talk day which is a day that I'm very passionate about because I'm a time to change champion so I really wanted to put out a special podcast episode for that day and thank you also to Hannah Hassler who was our guest of the week for that fantastic episode I really enjoyed chatting to Hannah about creativity and our why and if you listen to the very first ever podcast that was me talking about my why yes it was really nice to revisit that and to think about my why again and whether it's still what it was when when we started out way back in September which (laughs) wasn't that long ago now but um quite exciting to still be on this podcast journey to be into season two and I spent a bit of time this week planning out the rest of the year and some of the topics that we're going to cover and some of the amazing guests that we're going to have on so that's really really exciting so I hope you enjoyed the double episodes last week and I'm really excited about sharing this week's episode with Jess which we'll dive into in just a bit but first I just wanted to talk about a topic that that gets on my mind a little bit I um, have just got back from the theatre, though as I've said before, I quite like the um, the theatre shows where it's streamed almost like cinema style, um, because I find for me and my social anxiety, it's much easier, it's much closer to home, it's, it's just a more enjoyable experience because a lot of the other things that make me anxious aren't present, and so I can really appreciate and enjoy the show. Um, but yeah, so I've just got back from seeing Kinky Boots, and it's the first time I've seen it. If you've seen it, you'll know how amazing it is. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend you see it. But I think the the message that I got from it was, I've just popped into my head about wearing awesome shoes, but it's not just about that. It's, the message is about accepting people for who they are. And, and also I think about being yourself and not being afraid to show people who you are, uh, to show them the light and the duck and to be true to yourself and not ashamed of who you are and how you are so it's I guess it's those those two twin messages that accepting other people but also accepting yourself and showing up and, and showing yourself and I just thought it's such a powerful message the songs are amazing the the show is amazing but it's such an amazing message um, to absorb and I think coming off the back of all of the time to talk conversation and, and mental health and the conversations I was having last week about how we often don't share when we're struggling and how powerful that message can be because it really communicates to other people that it's normal to have times when things are difficult it's it's normal to face stresses and to be worried about things and even for it to go beyond just that normal level of stress and worry into anxiety depression or you know even into other um psychological conditions it's normal it's part of life and having those conversations and reaching out to people are really important for 
normalizing that and helping with the acceptance of that but also I think for us part of being true to who we are is saying when we're struggling saying when we find things difficult and not being afraid to be honest about that and to look after yourself and and adapt so my going to the local theatre is my adaptation for still being able to enjoy something that I enjoy but lessening some of those those stresses that I have if I was to go to the theatre like an hour's drive away and you know with all all the people and, and and there were people there today but I don't know there's just something about it that is more comfortable locally and less anxiety inducing and I can I can still enjoy that thing because I'm being honest with myself and what I need to be able to enjoy it and that's fine it's you know and and I've said before when I've talked about this that I quite like to go to the theatre by myself which is something that other people might find makes them very anxious but if I went with a friend and, and I got to a level where I actually wasn't enjoying it and I just wanted to leave I would feel a real sense of of guilt taking my friend away or possibly feel a sense of having to sit through it and sit with that anxiety and I've got amazing friends and I know that if I said to them I really need to go that would be fine and they would support me but I find personally that sometimes going by myself is easier because then if I need to go I can just go I don't have to worry about anyone else also (laughs) the other thing is that if I want to see something I want to see it and if I'm trying to organize finding someone to go with and, and all of that that can be a lot of hassle and so sometimes I'd just rather see it book it go <laughs> so um but that could just be me yeah I just thought it was um, a really important message to bring attention to of accepting other people accepting yourself being honest with yourself and particularly in light of that conversation about mental health being honest and being open and, and I think today's episode with Jess is an amazing example of how powerful that openness and honesty can be and actually we recorded this before I recorded the time to talk stuff before I went to see Kinky Boots but it just kind of ties in perfectly because I do have to apologize to Jess because (laughs) we sorted out the episode and we were going to talk about soft skills which is her work but we take this real detour into motherhood into being honest and open um, about how you feel and what you're experiencing so it just all ties in so well. But sorry, Jess, that we took that detour. But it's such a fun episode that we recorded. I really, really enjoyed talking to Jess. And I think it is just such an amazing episode. I've loved editing it and, and putting it back together and getting to listen to it again. So I'm really, really excited to share it with you today. So I really hope you enjoy the conversation. And yeah, my takeaway before we even start is about thinking about this week, how you can accept other people, accept yourself, and be honest and be open and that is what I'm going to take into this week that's what I'm going to try and do more of because I am a real people pleaser it's something I've talked about before something I'm trying to get better at but that's how I'm gonna um, go into this week so hopefully you'll join me doing that as well but I really hope you enjoy this episode so let's jump in Hi everyone, welcome back and I'm really excited to introduce this week's guest, Jess. So if you would like to introduce yourself to listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Hannah. So I'm Jess Critchlow. I run um, a very small, i.e. mostly just me, company called Light Up Work. Um, and what I do in that in that organization, and I've been doing it for 
just over three years now, is I focus on soft skills. So I work with companies and individuals to to improve and up-level their soft skills. And, And I define soft skills as how you do your work rather than what you do. Um, so for those of you who have, you know, deep formal education in very technical things, I think that's amazing. I don't, you know, knock that in any way. Um, but what I say is that's that's definitely necessary. It's just not sufficient to really get the most out of your work. And, and to be honest, to be happy and enjoy going to work, we need that depth of soft skills, those interpersonal skills. So that's, that's what I do and have a lot of fun doing it. Amazing. And so could you give... Just an example of a a couple of the soft skills that you might work on developing with people, just because I think we maybe all have a bit of an idea of of what it, but it can be quite hard sometimes to think, well, what, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of examples. So one that's, um, you know, that I do a lot is, is leadership. So sort of, I call it leadership 101 and it is that how to manage people, how to influence people. Another, a lot I do is around communication skills. So whether that's public speaking presentation skills or the more intimate type of communication, like uh, dealing with a difficult person, written communication, I do a little bit on specifically, again, not technical writing, but how do you get your point across in writing in a concise, clear way. And goal setting is a big one, productivity and time management. And it's it's an interesting thing. And I'll let you in on a little secret that I don't really talk about to the comp- like the business owners and the managers I talk to is it's kind of like my, my covert way of doing what I really want to do, right? So I call it productivity and time management. What I'm really doing is underneath the surface of that. So how do you feel when you show up at work? Where are the barriers to you being your you know, authentic, genuine self? How can we unblock some of that so you have more energy to use? So I give lovely corporate titles, soft skills, and then I get to like secretly work a little bit of magic under there. Mm. But I think that idea of how we feel when, when we show up at work and about being authentic, it is so key for productivity, isn't it? And for engagement. Mm-hmm. If you're not in a good place, if you don't want to be there, then you're going to struggle to motivate yourself to do the work, aren't you? So I think, yeah, to your point that having that corporate language, I guess it's about the communication, isn't it? Appealing to everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's my way to get in the door to then play with what I want to play with. I'm a bit sneaky that way. Um, And, you know, I, I'm careful to say, like, I feel like in Hannah, I don't know, maybe I'd be curious about your opinion on this. What I hear a lot in, in sort of our generation and, and, and the younger generation is like, you have to, you know, find your passion. So you never have to work a day in your life. And, and while that is lovely and I wouldn't argue with it, the reality of the society we live in is like, someone is still gonna have to collect garbage. And what I like to look at is like, a, you can just have a passion. Like you can just love designing jewelry that can be your thing. And it doesn't have to be what pays your bills. And also, like, is there a way your job maybe isn't your like life stream, but because of the reality of your life, maybe you you do need to continue in that job. So is there a way that you can show up in a bigger, better, more, you know, just more genuine, more comfortable way, so that it doesn't, like you said, like feel like every Monday, you just feel like, floods of tears in the car on the way to work, right? So I don't know, I'm curious, do you 
see that a lot in some of the people you talk to, that kind of idea of find your passion and only do that and make that your pay, the way you pay your bills. And I, I don't know, I feel very ambivalent about that idea. Yeah, I think there's passion and purpose, I think, is the other term that's thrown around. And and, and I talk about them as well. But I, I think that, you know, for me, I do have work-focused mm. sense of purpose. But, you know, your passion could be, like you said, you know, joy making. It could be something that you do more as a hobby outside of work. It could be your family and actually being there for them. I don't think it has to be exclusively to do with what you mm. do. And I think even if you are a lucky person that has found your passion and is your passion there are still going to be days where it is work yeah. where you're tired and you don't want to be there. you're hungry it's not suddenly going to magically all be perfect because it's your passion and it's, so I think that's an unrealistic goal because yeah I just think what you do there again no matter how much you love mm. it yeah thank you for saying that that articulates what I was what I had in my head too of of so, and I, I speak from a place of privilege where I actually do love what I do. So let me just, you know, I will say that, but you know, there's, I think when I first got into doing this uh, in a self-employed way, I was a bit confused because I was like, okay, I'm finally doing the thing I want to do. Why does it still, why, why is it still kind of suck some days? But like, uh, but of course it does, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm much better at understanding that. And and even anticipating it. I mean, I, I ran a training program not that long ago. And one of the, and you know, in training, like we love feedback, right? Every training you go to, they give you like a 70 question feedback form. You're like, oh, calm down. But one of the person, uh, you know, the question was, what was the, what basically, what was the worst part of the training? And this person wrote, the trainer, she's horrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, hard to, you know, hard to action that training. And don't get me wrong. I had wonderful positive feedback from the other, you know, delegates who were there. So part of it was I had to just go, okay, I didn't meet their expectations of a, you know, a workshop leader and, you know, what do you, okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this, I think we have that idea of wanting to, everyone to like us and, mm-hmm. and please everyone, don't we? and that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. And if you think about there probably will be people that irritate you <laughs> that, the, and and mm. if you if you think that you never irritate anyone, then I think that's just a little bit <laughs> solution. Probably, yeah. At certain times, we probably all have traits that yeah. um, for certain people just clash or just you know. But I think we just don't like to accept that, do we? We want to imagine that everyone thinks we're amazing. And what I think is funny is even if we don't feel amazing and we feel insecure, we still want everyone else to think we're amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to see through my smoke and mirrors. I want you to think I'm incredible, even though I felt terrible that day. Like, you know, what? <laughs> the mind is a funny thing, isn't it? Oh, man. I know. I um, a f- So I have a baby and a very good friend of mine. My best friend has a young baby, too. And we joke that, like, our minds are not friendly neighborhoods right now, like, with sleep deprivation and go madly in love with this tiny creature who you also really don't like all at the same time. It's just, it's not always a friendly place to be in there. Sometimes the solution for me is just to kind of be okay with that and just go for a walk, you know, <laughs> like, you know, not to like talk it out and find a solution. If it, Sometimes it's like, I'm just going to go for a walk and that's going to be enough for right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's um, something that you said there about um, not always liking <laughs> the, 
the baby. I think that's a really powerful thing to, to say to people because I think there is that idea, isn't there? With and I and I'm not a mother, but with with new motherhood, that it has to be this amazing thing where you're in love with your baby. And if they're crying and they won't settle, and you don't know what's going on, and you're sleep deprived, of course there will be times where they just get <laughs> just get on your nerves. I know. I know. So, I, and I will tell you, so I'm no, I'm not a postpartum expert, but I will tell this story in case this is useful for any of your listeners. I tell a story to every, you know, so with my first child, I, she was what they called dysregulated, which just means miserable. Like there was nothing physically wrong with her. She was just a grouch for about nine months um, and cried all the time. And, and it was about maybe two or three weeks postpartum. My, my husband came in and I was just weeping on the sofa and he was like, okay, is this, um, is this like a, a problem I can help solve? Or is it more like a hormone thing? And I, and I laughed because there was times where I was like, nothing's wrong. I just need to cry. And I said, I think I'm a bad mom. And he's like, oh my gosh, why? And I said, I don't like our baby at all. And he's like, oh my God, thank God. I don't like her at all. I was just pretending to, cause I thought you liked her. And you know, and it really gave me permission to be like, yeah, I biologically love her. I don't have any, you know, markers for postpartum depression or anxiety. I just, she's a miserable baby and I don't really enjoy her. And like, to be honest about that was, it was this enormous weight lifted off my shoulder. So I always tell your moms, I say, listen, you might look at your baby and feel a love you've never felt before. You might also look at your baby and think, I just want to take a nap. And I wish you would be quiet. And both are okay. <laughs> like, obviously, there's postpartum depression, anxiety, that is a serious issue. And I, you know, any woman, absolutely make sure you stay in touch with your care provider, because you need, you know, there's times where you do need help. And sometimes it just sucks. And that's okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think it's really important. Thank you for sharing the story, because it is really important, I think, to be honest about those types of experiences, because I think we have our own idea of what we should be doing and how things should mm-hmm. be everyone keeps those things inside then if you're experiencing it you kind of think like that there's something wrong with you but actually mm-hmm. it's a normal thing and I think you know if you think about anyone that you care about in your life your you know your parents your partner there are probably times that you love them but they really irritate you yeah of, co- of course yeah definitely yeah it's, it's normal but I think there is something about when it's your child mm-hmm. You kind of feel like, oh, I can't, I can't feel like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and similar to what I do in my work, which is there is so much power in, you know, speaking to what's really going on. So the amount of times I've, you know, one of the things I do in my work is I, um, this is going to sound a bit uber corporate, but just bear with me. I facilitate workshops, meaning I, that way the manager can also just sort of be a participant rather than leading it, especially when they're coming up with programs or new initiatives or that sort of thing. So I was running one with a group once and everyone, we were, we were honestly about 45 minutes in and everyone's nodding along and they're doing the like writing on post-its and there's, it's like really good energy. And finally someone said, I gotta be honest, I don't really get why we're doing this. And slowly one by one, the next person was like, I actually, I was just, I thought it was just me. I don't really get it either. Turns out no one in the team knew what was going on. No one knew why they were doing this initiative, why they were turning their work lives upside down. And if that one person hadn't said, uh, I'm confused and just been honest and risked, like, let's be honest, their risk was I'm going to be the idiot in the room. 
if they hadn't taken that risk, they would have just charged ahead and done put all this work and time in and no one would have had a clue why or what was going on and it would have been a disaster. So it's a, it's a huge, I have a huge, oh, the respect I have for the person in the room who's brave enough to go, I don't know what's going on. Because sometimes the person does it and everyone else is like, I don't, what do you mean? What do you not get? Like, this is really clear. So it is a risk and it's, you know, it's brave, but man, you, the positive outcomes that come from that I've seen time and time again is just, it's huge. Mm. And that can be difficult, can't it? That, yeah, sticking your head above the parapet, if you like. But I suppose, you know, I'm just thinking about where I've worked and, and depending on the culture. And I think if I'm somewhere where I feel like I'm able to show up authentically as myself and I feel accepted, you know, even if I irritate people sometimes, which I probably do, <laughs> if I feel accepted, then then I feel maybe I'm not always going to stick my head up, but that sometimes I feel more comfortable to do that because I feel like I'm showing up as myself and that's okay in mm-hmm. the environment. But I've definitely worked places where I don't feel that that I can show up kind of truly as myself. And then I guess, yeah, it's, it's much harder. Well, and I'm curious. So you you have an example I'm a, of a place where you didn't feel like you could be genuine and put your hand, you know, and I would everyone I've ever worked with who's had that experience. And I'm curious if you've had the same experience, like the, the sheer amount of energy you take to like manage your emotions, manage your reaction, manage your body language, like try to suss the room to see what's okay. What's not okay. Like, it's almost like, how does anyone get any work done? Cause we're all so busy looking around the room, trying to say the right thing, trying to not Honestly, we probably spend 80% of our energy doing that versus what we're actually paid to be doing, which is the work. Yeah. And I don't know, do you did you find that same sort of feeling? Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, exactly like you said. If you if you're putting all that energy into this is how I have to be in this environment. And whether it's trying to act a certain way or whether it is trying to hold things in that you don't feel mm-hmm. sharing. So um, so my background, um, partly I have like a mixed background, but partly is in education. And mm-hmm. I worked in special education for a long time. And then working in mainstream school after that is really difficult because they're very bureaucratic. And there's lots of things that happen that are there are things that are just in place that people agree with. But actually having worked with young people who find education quite challenging, there's lots of things that just don't work for those young people Mm -hmm. any young people to be honest so things like isolation rooms that there still are in lots of schools because Uh, being disruptive rather than trying to understand the reason why so I work with a lot of young people who if they're feeling vulnerable they present as being angry and so rather than trying to understand it's just easier to sort of go right you've been disruptive go to isolation and that doesn't work it doesn't tackle the issue but it's something Mm. part of the system they still have and and so when I was working in that environment I found it really difficult because I couldn't just go around being like well I'm not going to send it oh I did do that a little bit saying I'm not going to send anyone there (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and tackle it a different way but I couldn't just you know sort of take on everyone and say well this doesn't work and you shouldn't be doing that because that doesn't really Mm. help team spirit and you have to sort of um, fit in with the policies of 
of the school because my position wasn't one that I had an input or had a say on that level. Okay. So there's only influence that I that I could have. And so trying to fit in with the way we do things here when in myself I just didn't agree with a lot of it or see a point a lot of it. I found that quite difficult to to manage and to yeah to try and reconcile those two things and like you said very draining yeah and I'm so I'm I'm sorry you had that experience because we all have that story don't we of some industry or company culture that just was like so soul destroying and I know that sounds really dramatic but but I I truly that's how it feels in those moments when you're sitting in your car or at the train station or whatever, and you're just gearing up to have to go in again. Yeah, I think if you think about how much time we spend at work, I think that's so destroying because mm. it's so much of our lives. And if it's somewhere that you don't want to be or that takes all your energy or, or whatever's going on, it can yeah, I definitely can relate to the, the soul-destroying feeling because, yeah, and I think it's just because of how much time it takes up. And and I think the linking back to that passion idea that we talked about, that there is such a focus, isn't there, on having a job, having, having a career. And, you know, even starting the podcast, it's like, who are you? What do you do? It can be such a big part of our identity. So I suppose if you're... Mm somewhere and you're you're in a way claiming it as part of your identity but you don't feel that it really reflects you then yeah that is quite soul destroying Mm -hmm. yeah and I think and that's it's a huge part of why I got into doing what I do sort of starting as a side hustle and and becoming what I do full-time now is and I sort of, I, I say it jokingly, but actually I'm serious. I say my mission is to make the world a better, happier place, one workplace at a time. Now, is that an achievable goal from my little small town in Ontario, Canada? No, but it's still, like, it's still my, we'll call it my North Star. Because I just, I I have seen what happens when we make our workplaces positive and inclusive and when our leaders really reflect on themselves and how they show up and when our employees do the same and it's magic like you can be a quote-unquote boring whatever the boring job like what do we usually say an accountant um and and actually be happy going into work again it might not be your life's purpose maybe your passion is salsa dancing awesome do that in evenings and weekends like absolutely make time and energy for that but you don't have to like work at a soul destroying job either. Like we can, we can do better than that. You know, it's just, come on, it's 2020. Like we, we can do better than that now enough. Mm. I find it funny that you said accountant because actually, <laughs> so I was in education and my other thing that I did was finance. So I'm not a qualified accountant, but basically that role. Right. Um, and then the podcast and kind of coaching is, I guess my at the moment, but what I find interesting is I've worked in, um, for a charity before doing finance and found that really difficult but now in a corporate company there is something about the ethos and the people that I work with that actually I really enjoy it even though it's love it yeah it's pretty similar um partly I think is that I have a lot of autonomy and I'm very 
if someone is sort of standing over me t- telling me what to do that <laughs> doesn't work for yeah. me it's so interesting it's something that is not my passion but for me and where I am at the moment in my life there is something about it that just works and it's yeah an accountancy and and actually one of the things I think is that I can show up as myself and that they know that finance isn't my passion but I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying the role there and the fact that I can go in and say well a big chunk of my role is this thing that isn't actually my passion but they're all right with that yeah and I I love that like I love when people can just show up like that and and you know what I hear from a lot of managers is and let me be clear I'm going to speak out on behalf of terrible managers for a second I've worked with some terrible terrible managers and I guarantee you they're not meaning to be terrible I'm not giving them an excuse or an out. I'm just the vast majority of terrible leaders and managers is because they don't know what they're doing. And it's really, it's a really hard job, actually. You know, and what I hear is things like, is fear, actually. It's like, but if I let them be themselves, then they they won't have to perform to a high standard. I'm like, nope, that's a made up myth, but okay, next. Um, well, if I let people be themselves, then they won't be professional. I'm like, nope, that's a made up myth as well. It's discomfort and fear and just not knowing how to handle it and not knowing how to be themselves either. That's usually a big one. Um, I love your example. That is such a good example of like, you know, we don't, Again, I, I, a CEO I worked with once, I was telling him, like, to be able to speak to your team in, in a bigger purpose way than just we help our clients make more money. Like, that's not motive. That's not inspirational. He's like, yeah, but we're not saving kids. Like, we don't have an example of that that's inspirational. I'm like, no, but you do. <laughs> you know, like, you do. You can, you can be in a quote unquote, not your passion job and really enjoy it. I've seen it time and time again. And you just gave a brilliant example of that. Yeah. I think um, I just wanted to pick up on the terrible managers point because I've had some fantastic managers uh, or say some not so great ones. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder whether this is something that, that I've possibly observed and I wonder if you've observed the same, that, that sometimes you have people who become managers because there isn't really anywhere else for them to go on the kind of way up. That's like the next step to progress so they become a manager sometimes they don't really want to but that's the next logical step and then they maybe don't have training in how to manage people and suddenly they have this that wasn't really what they wanted to do and they're not really sure how to do it and then they're, they're trying to figure it out and they might mean well, but find it difficult to be effective mm, so true and there's two things in there you said that I 100% agree with and have also observed. So one is take people who are really great in their job and then we put them in a job, i.e. manager, that they've never been trained for, that they have no or coaches for, that they have no, possibly no ambition even to do. And then we get reviews. We're like, but Peter was so good as an engineer. Why is he such a bad team leader? Because it's a completely different, totally unrelated. That's why. It's like taking an accountant, we'll just keep picking accountants, and making them a horse trainer. Why aren't they were a great accountant? Why aren't they good at horse training? Because it's not the same thing. It's not the same skill set. So that and you know, and the other thing that I've I've seen is exactly what you've said of there's companies who do career progression really exceptionally well. And the myth I see a lot is well, we're not a big company, so we can't that's that's crap. Sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here, but it is. It's just it's total nonsense. You can progress people in the skills that they find interesting 
without them having to go into a totally different job. Like you, you, you can, you can do this well. I have seen it happen. Um, yeah, because there's, there's a seduction of, well, if I want to make more money, I guess I'll go be a manager, even though I have no, I don't even really like people. <laughs> you, you know, we've all seen that and it's silly. It's just such, because then you've taken someone who is contributing really well and not only taken them out of contributing in that role, put them in a role where they're actively taking away from other people doing good work. Mm. So my, my, yeah, my partner is, um, he's a support worker. So he works, um, it's a residential house college for young people. Mm -hmm. And for him, his only option if he wants to progress is team leader. And that means rather than actually working with young people, you sit at the desk and you run the shift. He's got no desire to do that because that's not why he's in the job. So he, in a way, is stuck because he can't progress because the only way to progress is management and less student contact. There was this this company I worked at in uh, in Canada, and they they didn't have this completely figured out, but they did a pretty good job. They had a technical path, and it did, they happened to be an engineering company, but it doesn't technical doesn't have to mean like spreadsheets and calculators, whatever. Um, but they had a technical job path and a people leadership job path. And they were sort of graded at the same level. So you can be a technical expert. And yes, there's some leadership responsibilities in that, like mentoring junior people, but not scheduling work, not approving holidays, not doing performance reviews, not doing formal feedback set, like none of the management side, it really was, I am an expert in this field. And I'm now like looked up to, and I have a senior pay and a senior role that reflects that. And I don't have a team and I don't have to talk to people about when they were rude in a meeting. Like I, that's not my thing. I just get to be the, the expert in this and share that expertise and teach people. But, and I thought that was so just, it was a brilliant way of doing it. As someone like your partner, there's a good chance that he'll quit because that's the only way to get more money and life gets in the way. You know, I'm all for money doesn't motivate people. It doesn't, but it does demotivate. <laughs> if you feel you're taken advantage of, or you're stuck, or, you know, you're not even getting cost of living increases and you're going to, you're going to feel taken advantage of, especially when you look and see, you can make more at the store. You just will. Like, so yeah, that's my, I could soapbox about that for a while. I'm like, I'm getting like sweaty passionate about it so I will stop there but yes in short I agree with you well I need to get really sweaty so let's have a little detour into um, talking about what always boosts your mood what brings you joy this is such a good question and it's one that I have I'm so glad you bring up because I've been thinking about today because I am in sleep deprivation mode because of my gorgeous annoying baby so um Two, it's sort of, for me, it's opposite ends of the spectrum. So I don't know what this says about my personality. One thing that brings me such, like, it's just refreshing the batteries is total silence. No one talking to me. No one touching me with a hot tea, not a cold tea that's been sitting around for hours, like a hot tea and a book. And that is like, that's my nirvana. Yeah. So I love that. And then I, and then the flip side of my, the other thing that brings me so much joy is, 
playing with my kids, having set like laughing with them, not playing Candyland. That game was invented to torture parents, but but playing games, laughing, being silly. Um, that that does recharge my batteries too in a very different way. Uh, but yeah, two ends of the spectrum is is my my joy spots. Yeah, no, they're really nice examples. And and I suppose that we maybe all have some things like that where there are things that are more solitary that that we need for us and also then things that do give us that boost that involve other people and the connection because I think that is really powerful as well and uh but yeah no the silence no one touching you no one talking to you and sounds amazing to me (laughs) that was literally it was my birthday about four months ago and my husband was like okay what do you want for your birthday I said I want two hours of no, like exactly what I said. I want a hot tea. I don't want you or our children anywhere near me, even though I'm madly in love with all of you. I just want an hour <laughs> just looking out the window. <laughs> yeah. That's, again, that's also something that can be quite difficult to ask for, can't it? That, like, I love you, but mm. so want some space <laughs> from you. Yeah. I'm madly in love with you, and I also don't want you anywhere n- near me. Yeah. Yeah. So see you in an hour. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes we can find it difficult to communicate that that's what we need. But I think if you can reach that point as, as you have with your husband, that, that you, know, you can have those, hold those two things at the same time. It's mm-hmm. a really good place to be to, yeah, to yeah. do it out of love, but also look after yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, can't pour from an empty cup. It's not just a bumper sticker, people. That is true. Very true. Very true. Uh, So my next question for you. So joy is one of my buzzwords. I've got a couple of buzzwords. My other one is about meaning. Um, And so, I mean, I suppose it could be that kind of passion thing, purpose. But I just think for me, I like that idea of thinking about having a meaningful life. And that could be work. It could be anything. Um, which is why I think maybe I like it more than passion and purpose. Anyway, uh, my question is, what makes life meaningful for you? Can I, can I, this has just come to me, so bear with me. Can can I slightly edit your question and answer a slightly different question? (laughs) So I'm going to answer what brings meaning to my life right now. Because for just purely time of life, you know, young kids, self-employed, my husband's gone back to school, Um, it looks very different right now than it did six months ago. And what I imagine it will look like a year from now. And, and don't get me wrong. There's like, I mean, I've just been getting all sweaty talking passionately about, you know, how we show up at work and soft skills and interpersonal skills in the workplace. So obviously I have, you know, there's an arc around that, that brings me a lot of joy some days, frustration others. Um, but for me right now, what brings me meaning is, um, is around connection. So connecting with my kids, which isn't always easy, um, connecting with my husband, like we find about seven minutes out of the week that we make time because the time is there. Let's be, I, you know, when you say I don't have time, you do, you just, what are you spending that time on? And he and I struggle to spend it on each other because busy, you know, just time of life we're in. Um, and, and just, I guess I'd say little nuggets. Like I, time of life I'm in right now, I can't dedicate the time and energy to my work that I would, that I did a year ago and that I will a year from now. So for me, it's like this week I had a really fantastic 
conversation or mentoring conversation with someone getting into this field or manager who's really struggling. Those little tiny nuggets bring a lot of meaning to me right now. Yeah. And then, and then I gotta be honest, it's probably going to look a little different in about six, 12 months, but that's, that's it right now. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I think that that is very true, isn't it? That the things that, that give meaning to our lives can change depending on where, where we are in our lives and, and what's, what's going on. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, my next one, this is my final buzzword. No, it's not. That's a lie. After it. <laughs> uh, so I guess the whole the whole point of um, the podcast the thing that I'm uh, passionate was what I was going to say I stopped myself but passionate is probably fair um is mental wellness um so I just wonder what mental wellness means to you and how you look after your own mental well-being oh it's such a good question um <clears throat> So I wonder if anyone, eh, no, I can share this. I'm just trying to think if I'm betraying any confidences, but I'm not. So, so mental um, wellness and mental health is, is really important to me for a number of reasons. So one is um, mental illness. The flip side of that is, is very common in my family. Um, Very common. So for example, at my intake meeting with my, my doctor, my new doctor, she's like, Oh, does anyone in your family, um, have any mental illness or take any uh, medication for mental illness? I said, yes. She said, who? I said, all of them. Um, you know, and <laughs> part of that is just endemic in our lives now. It's it's an amazing time to be al- alive and we have things easier than we ever have. And it's so much harder in so many other ways and lack of community and loneliness and all that stuff. So for me, mental health is all about proactive prevention and like prevent over treatment. Treatment is so super important, like I just said, based on, you know, my experience with my family. But if there's things that I can do, just little things to make um, make my mind a healthier place, that that has to be a priority. It ha- It has to be. And for me, you know, for me, it is the simple little stuff. Like it really is sleep. That's sounds so small, but it's huge. It's huge for physical health too, but sleep. Um, gratitude's another one. So at dinner every night, we go around the table and say something we're grateful for. Um, you know, and the other thing for me around mental health is, is, is just awareness. Like, and I know that sounds a bit, whatever, cliched, but taking stock, being aware, like I, right now, just, you know, being honest with you, I'm having a really hard time right now. My baby isn't sleeping. I, you know, I'm stuck in the house a lot because she's a puker. And if I'm going to be covered in puke, I'd kind of rather just do that in my own home. And so I am struggling. And so being very aware of what am, where am I at? What do I need? Is there people I need to reach out to for help? Again, my, my friend who has a young baby, sometimes I just text her in the middle of the night going, I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm, this sucks, (laughs) you know, and she's on a different time zone than me. So usually we can connect at those funny hours. Um, Yeah. So that's that's kind of my rambly answer because it's not a super coherent answer because I'm still really wrestling with that for myself right now with where I am and what, what it means given, you know, I do have some constraints on my, my energy right now. Um, And so what, what are the micro self-care I can do 
you know, maybe I can't do the like huge three day workshop on inspirational things because I can't be away. But then what's the little thing I can do? What's the podcast I can listen to? What's the um, the small walk I can take? If I can't do the three hour hike, can I do a walk around the neighborhood? You know, it's those little micro things that, yeah. It's hmm. sort of like, you know, when you're on a, well, I don't know if you've ever been on a, like on a stupid diet where like you can't eat cookies, say, and then you eat one cookie and you're like, well, if I eat one, I'm just going to eat 20 because I've already broken it. It's sort of like, it's that, right? It's the idea of, we kind of go, well, if I can't do my three hour hike, I guess I'll just sit at home and feel sorry for myself. It's like, what's okay. <laughs> you can't do the three hour hike. Can you do the 10 minute walk? So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. It's something I'm, I'm wrestling with a lot and what it can look like right now. Mm. When you're talking about the, the micro things that it made me think of a saying, and I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast and I did not come up with it, but I can't remember who did. <laughs> So I'm crediting someone else. Um, And it's this idea that anything that is worth doing is worth doing badly. Oh, my God. I love that. I'm going to say it again. I want to write it down. Say it again. (laughs) Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. I love that. So you might think oh you know I I should have a shower wash my hair and whatever and maybe you just can't because you're so tired or you just don't have the mental energy and so maybe I'm just going to brush my teeth and maybe I'll wash my face and I've done something like if it was worth doing I've done something towards it so for your walk you can't do the three-hour hike but if it's worth doing it's worth doing badly I'm going to have a 10-minute Yeah, and I love that saying. Whoever came up with it, (laughs) that is, I love that. I'm, I'm right. It's going on a post-it on my mirror because it's so, it's so. And I know if I have this problem, I know other people do. It's so easy to be like, I don't have time to do the one-hour workout, so I'm just gonna sit here and feel sorry for myself. Like I, I get caught in that trap. So exactly, I can't. If I, if it's worth it, what's the crappy version I do have the time and energy to do and I'll do that thing yeah but I think um you were saying about awareness and I think that is so important and something that can be really difficult because I know for myself and this is something I've talked about on the podcast before that before I sort of started this journey into coaching and the podcast I've had periods of depression throughout my life but I was in a place where I thought it was okay but I realized that I wasn't really okay and hadn't been okay for a while. Mm. And so I hadn't been aware. And then I became aware and I was like, well, I have to do something about it because I'm not all right with it carrying on for the next however many years. And so I, I wasn't really in touch with what was going on. So I couldn't really do anything about it because I didn't have that awareness. Mm. That is um, so important because if you, if you are aware of what's going on with you, then you can, do the micro things that are going to try and help you get back on track. And, and it might be at the point of your life that you're in that it's, you're going to be a bit out of balance because you've got a new baby or you've got lots going on. But if you're aware of how you're doing, you can, can try and do something. And I think so many of us spend time not aware and not in tune with what's going on with us. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and there's that thing too, and I lived in England for a while, so I know it's over there and it's a little bit in Canada too of that. 
like, come on, you're fine. You live in like this developed nation. You got a job, you pay your bills, you have food in your house, shut up and get on with it. And there, and to some extent, yeah, like have perspective. Yeah. You, you have food in your house and that makes you luckier than 80% of the world's population. Like, yes. And things still get to be hard and you still get to ask for help and you still get to talk about your struggles, even though, you know, you are so privileged in so many ways. That's like, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're the thing you're struggling with now doesn't matter. Um, Cause I see that a lot. I see that a lot in, in, I know I saw it a lot in England and I see it a lot here in Canada too. It's just this, you're fine, relax, get on with it. Mm. Yeah. It's a stiff upper lip that we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, what's quite refreshing is I think we are starting to have those conversations here about particularly about the mental health um, thing. And there are a lot of podcasts and a lot, I think a lot of celebrities. And then we had um, the princes as well talking about their own experiences. And then suddenly when you've got those people who are role models, maybe talking about their struggles, I think then for us mere mortals on the ground <laughs> maybe feels a bit more like oh well if they've got issues and they've got you know all this stuff and um, but they're talking about it then maybe it's okay for me to to talk about my stuff as well and very true yeah well especially those celebrities I give them so much credit for that because a they're often selling a persona like that's what their income is based on so that that does take a lot of bravery to to speak out and also it's 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 that exact thing of if that really wealthy really you know really wealthy person can struggle with this oh okay all right then maybe I'm not you know maybe there is something I need to do to get help and figure this out and you know whatever Hmm. I wonder whether sometimes there's um that sense of you know if we if we're thinking well I you know I've got all this um I've got a house, I've got whatever, I shouldn't be feeling this. I wonder whether the celebrities feel that to an exaggerated effect because, you know, if they literally have got their dreams come true and that's still not enough, whether they feel what we feel to more mm. of an extent. I'm sh- I, yeah, I would put money on that. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever find the answer, but I, you know, because yeah. I, it's, let's be honest, joy, right? It's not an out, it's not, you can't find it outside. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd be really happy if I won the lottery tomorrow. That'd be really cool. But it, that's, and I'd get a boost from that for sure. But joy is an inside game. You know, you can't get it through money or fame or, or even relationships, you know, like not, not really. I mean, we're social creatures for sure. And we need to have those social networks, but we can't, get it in the absence of the inner work and looking inside and awareness to, you know, to your comment and all of that stuff. Yeah. I also would love to win the lottery. <laughs> I really would. Yeah. I mean, I don't even buy lottery tickets, but I still talk about what I do if yeah. I want it, but yeah. yeah. I think even with that, it's not, it's not the money, is it? It's, it's the, the doors that it opens or the thing yes. that, mm-hmm. that opens that maybe are things that, that you would find joy in traveling and exploring and you know mm-hmm. an amazing house <laughs> but for me when I when I think about that it's partly the amazing house but it's also what that means in terms of having space for family and being able to have 
friends over and connection and that kind of thing. So it kind of is the material thing, but it's more than that. It's what that would then allow me to have in my life. You know what though, Hannah, I just want to say something. I know I don't know you that well, but we're just having this great conversation. And I want to point something out, which is you have obviously done a lot of self-work and you've, you know, you're very aware and conscious of what's going on in your own head and heart and body. And, you know, I guarantee because I know people like this and I know you do too. I'm sure you do of people who no matter what great thing happens, they find a way to be a bit miserable about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, yes, there's a personality thing in there and I'm sure a nature thing in there. And some of it is just the habits they have that have ingrained in their brain. Like, you know, I, there's someone in particular, I'm not going to say their name, but I know what they would, I know what they would say if they won the lottery, they'd be like, Oh, now I got to figure out like investments and like, Oh, I got to figure out, do I report this on my taxes? Like what a hassle. It's like, dude, you just won five million, you know? So, so yes. And there's still like, think you're underestimating just how much work you've done to be at a place where you could just get money and make it great you know I mean I would love to uh, if anyone wants to send me some money (laughs) yeah we'll test the theory (laughs) (laughs) you can can find Hannah wherever you know social media is under that money and let's test it (laughs) let's see (laughs) amazing that I mean that'd be great um but I also feel like if I won the lottery I am I feel like a lot of stuff would still say the same yeah I could see that yeah you know know, there's things I spend it on but I still (laughs) wouldn't change Mm. drastically which I is a good reflection of you know where I'm getting to in my life that I I wouldn't suddenly be like well through all that I'm gonna you know start afresh so I think that's a it's a fun game, though, isn't it? So if I won the lottery, and there's always one friend who's like, "Oh, I'd invest it." I'm like, "Boo! Come on, what would you buy?" <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it the other day because I'm getting married in July, and so that's uh, you know, it used to be always house. It still is house, but at the moment, it's also like, "Oh, well, if I won the lottery, this sort of basic plan for wedding, this is how it would be." Suddenly. Mm-hmm. I could get that photographer who I'm madly in love with, but could never afford. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, right. So my next question, this is my, this is my final buzzword. Okay. Uh, So the other thing I talk about a lot is mindset because, and and we've touched on it a little bit and that the, the that we have and our view of the world has, I think such a profound impact on our life and how we interpret mm-hmm. on everything mm-hmm. and this is uh, the question that people find most tricky so just <laughs> heads up about that um so are you able to describe your mindset to us? well if you add the word concisely on the end of that i'd say no um but i <laughs> well you know what i'll give you i mean that no i can't probably sum it up because i'm still honestly i'm still working on this and figuring it out and testing things out one thing that I will give myself some props for that I've, I've really been working on and has really served me is this mindset of for now, like everything is coming to an end. Um, and so that means 
what's there's that famous saying like this too shall pass, right? My version of that is for now. So whenever I say something like, oh my gosh, like our toddlers being so much fun for now. And that's not, it's not to bum me out or like, oh yeah, she's going to have a meltdown about mittens tomorrow. No, it's just, it's like appreciate it in the moment. You can't just go, well, my toddler's awesome. So I'm going to just leave her to watch Lion King while I go do these other things over here, which don't get me wrong. I do that all the time, but for now she's awesome. So I'm going to really savor this and my baby will not settle and she's being super annoying for now. Right. And I have this amazing client who I so love my calls with her for now. Right. And it's for me, it's this way of really sinking into like gratitude and appreciating what's going really well. And also um, kind of being not okay because the things that suck suck, but at least having a little perspective that for now. That's true for now. And it just, it really helps me kind of with the time of life I'm in and the time and energy I have available to me to just be a little more at peace with what my possibilities are for now, for now, for now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Because uh, I think sometimes, yeah, we don't really appreciate the good stuff. So it's helping you with that. But also the not so good stuff, It's it's a reminder that, that's also temporary and, it, and you're not stuck in that forever. It's, yeah, for now. What, what I was thinking of, and I was obviously listening, but what I was thinking of is what <laughs> my mind was, was I just heard this, the yet. And so this is one with particularly young people teaching. And when you have someone who say, I can't do this, I can't do this. And the power of yet. And that idea that at the moment, you can't do it. So I guess it's similar in that way to the for now. It's, it's not that you mm do it you just can't do it yet and suddenly that opens up all this possibility yeah it's it's so interesting you bring that up we've been doing that a lot with our toddler so we're really careful when she says I can't do it although she kind of pronounces it odd she says I can't do it I'm like oh god and my husband and I are constantly like you can't do it yet you can't do it yet and and full disclosure I'm like a mediocre parent at best but I will say I'm really proud just this week, she was trying to do something and she was getting frustrated. And she's like, oh, I can't do it yet. I can't do it yet. And I was like, oh, something went in. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? It's so, it's so true. And again, being the awareness thing, now that I have a toddler who listens and repeats everything I say, I am being a lot more mindful of when I do that and say like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it yet. I can't do it yet. My toddler's listening in. And then it starts to become my way of saying it too, even when she's not around and I'm working. I'm like, oh, I can't figure out this website thing yet. Okay, so how do mm. I do it? It's been like, talk about growth mindset. Um, mm. I love that. I love that you brought that up because it's, I I have just personally noticed a huge difference um, in my own life since bringing that in. And, and I've seen it in a, a little kiddo too of just, I can't do it yet. <laughs> just wait until you know because I'm, I'm sure there'll be times when you say I can't do it for yourself and you forget the yet and it'll be when she corrects you and says yet I uh, know yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and I mean I don't know you that well but I really enjoying the chat but I think you are way above a mediocre parent sounds like you've got some 
amazing things that you're sort of putting in place for your daughters and and I think because you're aware of yourself and you're present for them and you're thinking about how you're influencing them I think way above mediocre so oh Hannah you caught come on I've told you I'm not sleeping you caught me at an emotional time don't make me cry on your podcast <laughs> thank you it also that's very that's lovely to hear thank you because parenting is one of those things that there's no right way to do it so you're constantly like Am I screwing her up? Do I have to add another dollar into the uh, future therapy jar? Like, oh, um, so thank you. Thank I you. Think, um, so I'm at the moment, one of the things I'm doing is like a counseling course, because that's kind of where I see like coaching counseling. And there's something I think you all appreciate this. There's a psychologist um, that we talked about. And part of his theory, and a lot of it is about the, the mother child relationship. Is about the good enough mother that idea that you you can't be perfect anyway mm. it's not realistic but just it's about being good enough and when we heard that we love that idea in our class and so then we talk about everything it's good enough good enough and yeah it's just I think such a positive idea that actually there is no such thing as perfect and actually showing up and you are good enough then that's everything isn't it because well, and I will give you an example of my good enough parenting and hopefully <laughs> that will be the last story I tell it if you have any any parents or people who want to be parents. So the other day I had a terrible morning. My baby was crying. I had to do preschool drop off. I'm putting her in the car. My toddlers, bless her. She's two and a half. I mean, it's that talk about emotions, right? And she's getting into the car and I lifted her and put her in and that she lost her mind. And I just, at this point in my life, I just didn't have the resilience to handle it well. I said, enough. And I like buckled her in and I slammed the car door and she's crying. And I, I drive to her preschool and I get to her preschool and I say, Ray, mommy is so, and she's fine by this point. She's just like singing songs with Kendall. And I said, mommy is so, so sorry. Mommy's not, not feeling well right now. And I didn't sleep and I wasn't very nice to you this morning. And I'm so sorry. And she just went, that's okay. And we hopped into the car and off we went. Now, I'm not suggesting I gave myself full permission to yell at her to get in the car every morning. But what it did mean is I can totally screw it up and model screwing up is okay. <laughs> and apologies are where it's at. And, you know, and you keep, I didn't do it right yet. And, you know, and biggest part of that, and this is true for all of the things. I know we're talking about me and my kid, but this is true for me and employees. This is true for our colleagues, for people in other relationships in our life. I love the good enough thing because it's not about doing it perfect. It's about doing the best you can, screwing it up and going, I'm, I'm so sorry I yelled at you when I came home from work. My beloved husband, I wasn't in a good space and that wasn't kind of me and I'm, I'm really sorry. And they go, that's okay. And, you know, not always that simple, but you know, do the best you can. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Because I think we quite often, or in my experience anyway, get caught up in the perfectionism and and worry about that and not wanting to appear less than perfect. Mm-hmm. No perfect. And, and I think it is a really powerful thing to model that owning your mistakes or being honest or, you know, when I was teaching, if I was having a bad day, I'd tell them <laughs> You're like I'm tired today I just I, had a day, I, had, I basically had not quite the flu but I felt rough and I went in on the Monday and I just said full disclosure I got brain fog 
you might ask me questions. I don't know that I'll be able to retrieve the answer to it from my head. <laughs> but um, but it, it's just being honest and modelling because I think particularly for young people, children and young people, if you're showing them this like perfect image, then they're going to internalise that as that's how they should be and that pressure on themselves. Whereas if you can actually show them the good enough that actually we make mistakes when we're tired we we might be snappy and that's what happens it's, it's not okay but then you apologize and then you know that's how you do it it's I think it's just preparing them so much more for real life isn't it it's just so much more honest and yeah preparing them whereas you know showing them perfect is not preparing them for life at all mm-hmm. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, and sharing that. Yeah, good enough, Mum. I'm gonna put that on a poster too. I got two posters out of this conversation. That is worth the price of admission. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I love it since we've talked about it. Good enough, and uh... and good enough, and it's true of all the things. Good enough manager. Good enough employee. Good enough self-employed. Good enough freelancer. Good enough accountant. Good enough designer. Good enough engineer. Like mm. the thing that's kind of a bit shoddy but you publish isn't that there's I mean a more articulate way of saying it but is better than the perfect thing that only ever exists in your head I mean Mm -hmm. publish good enough make it happen (laughs) right yeah absolutely yeah uh so my next uh well this the last big question if you like okay and hopefully as we've gone through I'm sure that people have got loads of amazing stuff and ideas and good enough things in that um mm. I, I asked my guests to leave people with between one and three strategies or tips uh, that people can put in place in their life that are going to have a massive impact so if you could share some top tips or top thoughts with people that would be great yeah, I'd love to. And I'm kind of going to bring it back to what I do in my day job a little bit, even though I spent more time talking about mothering. Um, yeah, not really what I probably intended, but oh, well, that's where we went. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, <laughs> you don't want mothering advice from me anyways. Good enough. That's the advice on that one. Um, no, so what I'd say is around strategies, there's really, there's really just one that I want to really, really emphasize and leave your listeners with. So soft skills are so, so key to your success, your happiness at work, your good enoughness at work, all all of the things that are important. I mean, yes, to formal education, I'm not knocking that by any stretch, but you need to be able to build your interpersonal skills. And here's what I'd say around that is find a way to practice them like a safe space to practice them. And if that's not your work, that's fine. It doesn't have to be your workplace if that's not, you know, a psychologically safe, like those examples we gave at the beginning of our conversation. If you're not, if it's not a safe place, it's fine. But you have to do it for yourself, for your own career, for your own happiness, for your own ability to show up at work and not just want to floods of tears. By the way, some of you might need to quit your job to enable that. But anyways, that's a whole other podcast. Um, practice them. Okay. So some ways you can do that is one is, is knowledge. So podcast books, um, blogs, just find out more about some of these skills. So whether, you know, whatever the thing is that is sparking your interest. So communication, leadership, um, feedback, dealing with difficult people, whatever the thing is, that's kind of nagging at you, 
there's tons of free resources out there. Tons of like, if there's a book you love, go to your library. You don't have to spend money. Really, you really don't. Two, find a safe space to practice. So that can be paid. You know, I highly, highly recommend people find um, a coach. That would be, you know, I'm I'm not a coach, but I'm huge proponent of finding a, a coach that creates that space where you can practice some of this stuff and say it out loud and get some feedback. Um, it can be just a colleague. It can be some of you are lucky enough that you can practice some of this stuff with your manager, but find a space where you can go, I've got a really awkward presentation coming up where I have to share some tough news. Can I, can I do it for you? And you give me some feedback on what's going well and what doesn't work. Find the space to practice it. Um, and the third thing I'd say too, around these, these interpersonal skills is, um, there's, there's this sort of myth that they work the same as technical skills, you know, like you're just suddenly going to be confident public speaking, or you're going to be confident having difficult conversations, or you're going to be confident negotiating. I I have never seen that in my work. Um, I haven't seen people get confident. I've seen them get more confident. Um, but when someone is confident in their, say, their ability to deliver feedback, usually what that actually means is they're no longer trying bigger things. When you're truly confident in something, um, probably not stretching anymore. Um, And so don't make I need to be confident in this thing the goal because that's A, impossible and B, is actually probably a bad thing. (laughs) What you want is being totally nervous is absolutely expected and fine. That's because that's your body telling you you're about to do something brave keep going at it. Don't take that to be a message that this isn't something you're supposed to be doing. It's just a message that you're being brave. So get the knowledge, practice, and don't misinterpret the signals from your body. Mm -hmm. Because I think we can spend so long getting the technical knowledge that the the softer skills get forgotten. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and so actually seeking out that knowledge um, is important. And I think then the practicing is something that quite often there aren't those opportunities to do. Or again, if you're someone that doesn't have such an emphasis on the importance of them. Cool. And with your, your third point, I was, I was thinking of Adele. So um, the singer, and I don't know if you know this, but um, I don't know her personally. It's just <laughs> <laughs> I wish you did. She's awesome. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so she is, amazing but she gets so nervous before she performs mm-hmm. <laughs> she has massive stage fright and she is so amazing at what she does but she still has those nerves she doesn't have complete confidence so I think it's yeah it can be natural and and I guess maybe as you were saying that if you get to that point where you're not feeling any sense of nerves then yeah you need to then take the next step because mm-hmm. maybe so used to where you're at that you're then maybe playing too small and it's about that stretch and that mm-hmm. and that challenge. And what and the last thing I'll say on that too, and I love that example of Adele, because come on, talk about someone top of their field. Oh my gosh, she's so incredible. Um, you know, when when we do suddenly meet this, I feel confident in this, I know what I'm doing, I'm good. The the other danger of that is we that becomes a little bit part of our person, like our, 
identity and we don't seek out other feedback. We get almost a little threatened when someone says, oh, your presentation, because, you know, I identify as someone who enjoys public speaking. I feel like I'm going to throw up before I go out on stage, but it's something I seek out because I enjoy it. And if I then make the story that this is something I'm good at and it is part of my worth, the minute someone says, I've got a little bit of feedback for you, there was like the the arc of that presentation, I kind of got a little lost in it. Suddenly, instead of saying, that's really useful, thank you, I can take that now, I, I'm like, you've just threatened my self-worth, right? So now I'm in amygdala, I'm in fight, flight, or freeze, I'm like, I'm not listening, I'm not you know, it, it actually becomes a little bit of a dangerous place to, to, that's the thing I'm good at. And I'm going to identify as being good at that. And I'm never going to seek out feedback, you know, telling me a different story, because that's too scary now. So yes, yeah. so being not confident, it's actually a really good thing, people just go with it. That's a very good message. It's a very good place to be. Hmm. And I think even, um, or as well as not seeking out feedback, if you think, I've got this now, I'm confident, you're also not seeking out opportunities to grow or continue learning. And and technically, workplaces change all the time. But I, but even with the soft skills, I imagine there's always that, that room to develop and grow. It's not just you reach a certain point and that's it. I've marked it all, got all my badges, tick, done, leadership, tick, communication. Tick. <laughs> it's a check. Yeah, it's an ongoing thing, and I suppose the danger is that yeah, if you're like I've I've done that now, you're not continuing to grow, and you can stagnate, mm-hmm. I guess, which isn't isn't great for you or mm-hmm. your role. Yeah, we're more like border collies than we realize. The minute we're bored in our workplace, we become quite destructive. We just don't necessarily always realize it. So <laughs> yes. Stagnation isn't always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, sorry that, I mean, I, I'm pleased that we've come back to soft skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I took this on a little weaving. Yeah, talk about the arc of the story not being there. I took this all over. I'm glad that we managed to come back to the, the soft skills and, and that for you. So um, the last thing is if people want to connect with you online, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about what you do? Cool. Okay. So they can find me. uh, My website is lightupwork.com. You'll see it's just a landing page at the moment because I'm kind of redoing it, but you will find me there and links to all my socials. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook as lightupwork. And email, of course, is jess at lightupwork.com. And I do, you know, this this is something that I'm so passionate about. If, you know, if anyone just wants to, even pick my brain. The amount of messages I get of someone saying, hey, this is going on in my workplace. What do you think? I love that. Like if you just want to throw something out there and get an outsider's point of view, Facebook message, email, go on my website, get in touch with me. Um, Because an outsider's point of view can be really invaluable. So look me up if you want to just get a, this is what's going on. What do you think? I'm, I I love that stuff. Amazing. And um, I can put links to your website and your email in the show notes. Great. Thank you so, so much. Oh, Hannah, I've had such a good time chatting and I'm going to stay in touch with you whether you want me to or not. It's going to happen because I think you're great. So <laughs> no, I absolutely stay in touch. Um, yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it as well. So thank you so, wonderful, so much. Wonderful. Okay, cool. Well, I'm sure we'll talk again sometime soon. Yeah, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay, cheers. Bye. Bye. 
so that's everything for this episode we hope you've enjoyed everything that's been talked about today and we would love to carry on this discussion so please feel free to tweet us your views your thoughts any questions you have for future episodes Um, and we're on all social media platforms so feel free to follow us wherever you go for your social media fix and uh, we will be back next week with more interesting topics and discussions if you've enjoyed this podcast please do share it with your family and friends or anyone that you think would benefit from it and please rate and review wherever you've downloaded it from so it can reach more people We hope you have an awesome week and we're looking forward to chatting to you again next week. Bye.